Welcome to the podcast of Life Change Church, where we exist to love people to life change. We hope that this podcast is both challenging and encouraging to you. Enjoy the message. All right, well, hey, good morning and welcome to Life Change. I don't know about you, but it always kind of takes me a little bit to to get in the Christmas season, and then I think I'm finally there and ready. So hopefully you're there. And again, just a quick reminder, you saw, heard Caleb talk about it, but the Christmas giving tree, those are due today. Um, I will tell you this, they're due in bags with your card today. So we will be here till noon. So if by chance you live close, you can get back and be here at noon, but we will be locked up at noon after that then it's on you to take your uh, gifts and the card to Salvation Army yourself tomorrow. There's to be open tomorrow where you can uh, get those in. So that's uh, tomorrow if you want to. If you forget, if you didn't get it today, you can actually take it to Salvation Army yourself tomorrow. But I do want to just give you guys just a, a round of applause. We took on a, a lot this year. We actually took a, a 100 kids in this year as far as uh, ones that we were going to provide Christmas for. And we were able to uh, get every card off the tree with the church providing some a little bit, but it was awesome. So huge thanks to you guys. And just exciting stuff. And yeah, we are in the second week of our uh, series entitled Christmas Lights. And again, it, there's just something about Christmas lights. Right? There's just something that captivates us. There's something that's really captivated us since we were little kids. I mean, if you think about it, what do we do during Christmas season? We load up in the car and we go out and see Christmas lights, right? How many of you guys have maybe you jumped in, you took a car ride with your family or by yourself with your whatever, and you went and saw some Christmas lights this season already, right? Okay, we've got a few of you. I know that there's some more too. I actually got some, uh, I got some text messages with some pictures of some Christmas lights. I know some of you guys, I, I've messed you guys up for life now because you're looking at them and now you're judging everybody's Christmas lights. Like they're just, they're just at acknowledgement level right now, right? That's what we were talking about last week. So some of you guys, you're now, you're now warped forever. But again, we go see these things. We've gone out and see Christmas lights. Now there's even like certain, it's grown a little bit. So there's actually places we can go that are, are built just for us to go. How many have actually gone to a location that's just built for Christmas lights? Maybe it was Route 40 and the, and those lights out there on the raceway. Maybe it was like Ogilvy, maybe it was some other place, right? Maybe you even travel a little bit, right? We travel for Christmas lights. It's, it's kind of crazy now. It's a big deal. But I remember as a kid, I loved to go see Christmas lights. And our parents would get us in and we would give us, um, they put us in our PJs and we would drive around. And I think they said we were staying up late, but chances are I'm a parent. I know now we were probably going to bed early. They were just tricking me, right? But we would go out and we would drive around neighborhoods to go see Christmas lights. And like in the late 80s, early 90s, the prime neighborhood that had the best lights was Central Avenue in Newark, Ohio. Right? It, was the, it was the place to go. And I remember as a kid, I'm like, dude, my parents would drive around other places and they would always end with Central Avenue. Right? We'd go, we're like, ah, oh, that's pretty cool. But in the back of my mind, I know what's coming. I'm like, oh, we're going to see not just one or two houses on a block, not just a block, but like the whole street completely lit up. Right. And it was cool. I remember it was, it was great. I was, as a kid, it was, it was amazing. It was overwhelming. As an adult, I look at it and be like, man, I wonder what their electric bills are this month. Right. It's kind of funny where we go to, but it's fun to go do that. I don't know. My kids like it too. We'll be driving around neighborhoods and there's sometimes they yell from the back seat, like, slow down. I want to see those lights. And now we have tablets and they have tablets that can have their own. So they'll slow down and say, stop. I want to get a picture of that. Right. So it, it's pretty cool to see them. And I know this, this year, my parents actually, uh, they gave Sarah and I a date night out and they took Berkeley and Griffin and they took them to the lights at the raceway. 
And man, the kids came home ecstatic. They loved it. They were so excited about all the lights they were seeing. So they were telling us about it. They were describing, saying, man, these lights are incredible. And then they did. They had pictures on their tablet. Now, just so you know, the tablet they have is the $29.99 special on Black Friday on Cyber Monday from Amazon, right? So the pictures aren't necessarily the greatest. They're a little bit grainy. And then my kids, as they show pictures, their, their hands are actually a little bit more steady than mine. I've got some shaky hands, but they're still little kids, right? So it's a quick, woo, take a picture of why the thing's moving a little bit. So sometimes they're a little bit blurred. Because the truth is this. When we experience lights, we have to experience them, right? They can't just be shown to us through a, through a picture. They can't be just even described to us in a story. There's something about life that we have to fully experience. And really, this is what this series is about. It's experiencing the light of Christ. Experiencing the ultimate Christmas light. The light that gives us a sense of peace. The light that gives us comfort, hope, and a feeling of safety. Right? It's the light of Jesus. Because Jesus brings us these things. He brings us peace, comfort, hope salvation. They're all encompassed in who he is. And he's the ultimate light for this season. He is the Christmas light. And this is what we've been talking about. In fact, Jesus himself said this about him in John chapter 8, verse 12. So if you have your Bibles, go there with me. This is our our main passage of scripture for this series. John chapter 8, verse 12. And if you don't have a Bible, we always challenge you to to download the Version Bible app, which is just an incredible resource to take with you wherever you go. And if you think we're against real Bibles, we're not. We actually have some real Bibles. If you don't have a, a paper Bible, we would love to get that in your hands too. You can just go to the Connect Center and they can give you one of those. But in John chapter 8, Jesus is in the middle of his ministry. He had been teaching and uh, people were beginning to question really who he was. They were questioning his authority. So Jesus clarifies who he is by saying this in John chapter 8, verse 12. He says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of light. And for years, people had been waiting on this fulfillment of prophecies. We've been waiting on a Messiah, been waiting on a Christ, right? They've been waiting on this light of the world. In fact, over 700 years, they've been waiting on this, right? They were waiting to experience the light of peace, comfort, hope, and salvation. So when they are asking who Jesus was, Jesus confirms that he is this light. He's the light of the world. He's the light for all to see. He's the sense of peace for all. He's the comfort for all. He's the hope of the world and the salvation for all who follow him. And he says, whoever follows him will walk in his light and they'll never walk in darkness. Well, they'll have the light of life. Like this is the Christmas lights. This is the reason we celebrate Christmas. This is the reason we're in the middle of this season so that we can experience Jesus and all he is so that he can be the light of our life so that we don't have to walk in darkness. So today what I want us to do is I want to talk about how in the middle of this season and really in the middle of every season, how Jesus brings us comfort. Now, if you think about it, Christmas for many of us, Christmas is, a, is an incredible time. Right, for many of us, we have some incredible memories that we, that we hold on to, that Christmas entails, right? We love Christmas. For some of us, this is the best time of the year. It's a time that brings us comfort and joy, right? When it says good tidings of comfort and joy, this is us, right? This is the Christmas time for us. We love it. Right, for some of us, when we walk into a store and we, we see Christmas lights and we hear Christmas music, we just all of a sudden have a smile on our face. Right, how many of you are just Christmas music lovers? Like, you, t- Okay, for me, I'm going to be honest with me. I'm not a Christmas music lover. I'm, it's kind of the opposite. But my son 
Griffin and my, and my wife, Sarah, they love Christmas music. So it's on all the time. In fact, my son right now, he's just listening to Christmas music as he goes to sleep. So I pray with him real fast, kiss him. I'm like, dude, I got to get out of here, right? But it's coming closer, so I'm kind of getting into it a little more as the season goes. But for, for him and for a lot of us, when we hear Christmas music, it's automatic. We just get, we just get excited. We just get happy. Right? For many of us, there's Christmas is a time where we just remember some incredible stories. It's a blast. Right? We remember some great things. It truly is the most wonderful time of the year. But the truth is, that's not for everyone. Right? For some of us, Christmas is a time of great sorrow. Right? For some of us, Christmas is a time where, where our loneliness comes to the forefront, where we feel it more. For some of us, it's a time where, where we feel this grief. For some of us, it's really it's a reminder that we may have lost someone close to us. As we spend time with the family this year, this is a time where many of us were reminded that we might not have a family member around the Christmas table this year. Right? We may have lost a, a spouse, a father, a mother, a grandparent, a sibling, or, or even a child. Right? This is a time where, where this comes to the forefront, and it's a time where we can really experience and we can live in grief. Right? For others, this is a time where we may be living on some regrets. We may be carrying around the sorrows and the shame of these regrets of something. Maybe there's some broken relationships with our family. Maybe there's some broken relationship with our friends. And for Christmas, this is a time where it all comes to the forefront. Right? It's a time that can be filled with pain and sorrow. Right? For many of us, this is where we're at. And it's a time where, where we really want to feel comfort, but we feel the exact opposite. And if you look at it, the, the beginning Christmases are exactly the same way. Right? The first Christmases are also a time that that yet it's filled with the joy of Jesus' birth, but it came with some sorrow as well. It came with some very uncomfortable moments. It came with some, some actual tragic events that caused mothers and many others to weep over their sorrow. And we actually see this in Matthew chapter 2. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to bounce there to Matthew chapter 2, verse 16 in a minute. But in this passage of Scripture, this is a, where Jesus had already been born. The shepherds had come to visit him. Everything was awesome. Everything was amazing at this time. People were celebrating the, so you were celebrating who Jesus was and the fact that he's the Messiah, that he's a new king. But this word had actually spread. And it had spread to the current king, King Herod, who naturally got a little bit jealous. Right? So what he did, King Herod despised and kind of worked up this plan to, to use some people to figure out where Jesus was. And he heard that these wise men, these magi, were going to go see Jesus. So he calls the magi in and he gets them to be spies for them. But they didn't fall into his plan, which made King Herod even a little more mad, which is where we'll pick up here in verse 16. And it says this. It says, when Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the magi, he was furious and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under. In accordance with time, with the time he had learned from the magic. So this is one of the first two Christmases, right? This is two years, right around that two-year period after Jesus was born. Right? And so here's this king. His name is King Herod. He's actually uh, referred to as Herod the Great throughout history. And he's a guy who, who loved his throne. In fact, under his reign, he rebuilt the temple in Jerusalem. He had a lot of great achievements. And he, he actually had multiple fortresses and palaces constructed for himself. But he was also very ruthless. Right? He defended his throne against anything that ever tried to compete against it. Right, So therefore, he sends this order, and it's depicted in Matthew's gospel, to kill any, any son that's two years and under. Because he felt threatened by an upcoming king in Israel. Right? He was the king, and he wanted to keep it that way. So he puts this order to kill any children two years and younger in the region of Bethlehem. Like If you think about it, this is some pretty messed up stuff. Right? This, is a, this is a time period that obviously caused some stress. This is a time period that obviously caused some grief. This is a time period that many people, they were very, they were very sorrowful. Right? Many people were losing their children at this moment. Right? If there's ever a time for comfort, this was it. 
Here are all these kids who are being killed because of King Herod, right? But here's what's amazing about this. Regardless of how bad this was, it didn't surprise God. Right? This passage continues in verse 17 when it says this. It says, Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah weeping in great mourning. Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. What this was, this was actually the, the completion of a, of a prophecy long, long ago. Right? In the midst of this sorrow, in the midst of all this, God was working and he knew what was happening. Right? This didn't get him off guard. It didn't catch him off guard at all. Now, if you look at it, Matthew was quoting Jeremiah 31, 15, which again, it was a prophecy. And this is what it shows us. It shows no matter what we're going through, God still knows about it. And God can still be there to comfort us. Right? No matter how must up we're going through our situation, God still has a plan and his purpose and his purpose will carry on regardless of what happens. Whatever God decrees will come to pass. In this time period, whatever God decrees will come to pass, regardless of how evil King Herod was. And the same thing's true in our life. Whatever God has a plan for us, his decree will come to pass. Whatever you're going through, whatever sorrow you're experiencing, whatever grief you're encountering, right? Whatever pain, whatever issue you have, whatever you're going through this Christmas season, God is aware of it and he wants to show up in the middle of it. He wants to meet you and he wants to give you comfort. In fact, here's what I want us to walk away with today. Jesus meets us in our sorrow and gives us comfort. Jesus meets us in our place of sorrow and he gives us comfort right there. He knows the grief that you're experiencing. He wants to meet you there. He knows the pain that maybe is even part of your Christmas story. And that pain, that grief, that sorrow is not too big for him. Because if you look at it, pain, sorrow, and grief were actually part of the original Christmas story. And Jesus was always the answer through it all. And Jesus prevailed through it all. He was the solution, right? Jesus is the answer to whatever sorrow you're carrying. And he wants to meet you in that sorrow and give you comfort, right? And he meets us through his presence. And he meets us through others. And he meets us through working through us as well. In fact, Paul says it this way in his letter to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 through 7. He says this. He says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves received from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. And our hope for you is firm, because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. Listen, God is a God of comfort. Jesus is a savior of comfort, right? He is the light. He's the ultimate Christmas light that brings us comfort, right? The light of Christ comforts us even in our darkness of grief, even in our darkness of pain. He's here to give us comfort. Imagine experiencing that comfort this Christmas season, right? Think about experiencing that compassion. Here's what's incredible about it, though. It says that comfort and compassion, it comes from endurance and patience. For some of us are like, dude, I'm ready to go out the door right now. I don't want to endure anything else. I don't want to have patience. I'm good with all that. Like, let's just step right there. But for us to experience comfort, for us to experience some of this compassion, we're going to have to go through some things. We're going, to have to, we're going to have to go through some struggles. There's probably grief that comes with it. Listen, you can't have comfort without discomfort. 
Because we would never know what comfort is, right? We can't have compassion with, without the opposite. We, can't, we have to have and experience these things. I look at it and I think, man, for some of the greatest things we experience is, is after we endure pain. And this is what he's saying. He's saying we can experience Christ after we endure these things. So what if instead of experiencing frustration, what if we actually grew in patience? What if we endured through it, right? What if instead of just experiencing anguish, what if we grew through patience and endurance? What would happen is we'd experience comfort. We'd experience Christ. We'd experience true Christmas lights, right? I think many times we, we see it from a different perspective. We see these Christmas lights of, of comfort really from the perspective of, of when my daughter was showing me the pictures on her tablet, right? They're a little blurred. It looked nice, but I didn't fully experience it. For us to fully experience it, we've got to endure some things as well, right? Jesus meets us in that place of endurance. He meets us in our sorrow and gives us comfort. And here's how we do it. Here's how we experience this comfort. Number one, we have to stay in his presence, right? To experience the true light of Christmas, to experience who Christ is, we have to stay in his presence, right? Jesus meets us in our sorrows, but we have to put ourselves and we have to bring our sorrows to him. We have to bring our sorrows to his presence. Again, this passage says God is the God. He's the God as the father of compassion. He's the God of all comfort. He wants to comfort us in our troubles, but what we have to do is we have to move into his presence. And here's how we do it. If you look at it, Paul gives us kind of the action step right at the start of this passage. It says, praise be. Praise be to the God and the father of Jesus Christ. To stay in his presence, it starts with praising God. And we talked about this last week. Right? We talked about how, how we need to praise God. And we talked about how it doesn't just happen on a Sunday morning, but it goes on into throughout the week. It goes on to every aspect of our life. Right? It can be here on Sunday morning. Obviously, we spend some time singing. We spend some time trying to be in his presence because God sends, he stands in his presence. He stands in his praise. So the question is, how are you doing? Right? We talked a little bit about this. Like, so how are you doing? Did you engage more in praise this week? This morning during service, did you actually engage more in the service and song? Did you at least mouth the words to the song? Did you actually vocalize some songs, right? Did you actually give a hand clap once in a while? Maybe even raise your hand, got a little crazy. Did you let the words sink in? There's something about Christmas music, right? If you step back and you just look at the words, some of those words are in, incredibly powerful. But I think so many times we just go through it and we just go through the motions. We don't let them really sink in. Part of praising God is letting who he is sink into our lives. And when we do that, we experience more. When we do that, we place ourselves in his presence. Right? How's your praise life? Right? How was it this week? Right? Did you step up? Did you thank him for some blessings this week? Right? Did you serve others to, to give of yourself so that you could praise God? Right? Was your week filled with praise or was it a rough week? Was it a week where you felt like you were outside of his presence? Was it a week where you felt like you weren't experiencing his comfort? Listen, to experience his praise, we need to stay in his presence, which means we need to, to experience his comfort, we need to stay in his presence, which means we need to praise. Because the truth is, God dwells in the presence of his praise. In fact, David, King David, when he wrote most of the Psalms, he wrote this in, in one of the Psalms. And he actually wrote it in a moment of distress where he was seeking comfort. Check this out in Psalms 22, verses 1 through 5 in the World English Bible. It says this. It says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me and from the words of my groaning? My God, I cry in the daytime, but you don't answer. In the night season, and am not silent. Here's, this is a moment, really, if you look at this, this is where I think many of us, we find ourselves, and we feel almost bad when we pray this way. 
But the truth is, God still wants to hear us, right? But here's David. He's in a moment where he feels completely abandoned. He feels completely downcast. He needs some comfort. And he's saying, God, God, why have you forsaken me? If you look at this passage of scripture, he's almost starting off complaining. But here's what happens. David quickly turns his complaints into praise. And what he does is experiences God because of it. And we need to learn from this and we need to do the same thing. So check this out. Verse three. Again, he complains, says, God, where are you? But then he says, but you are holy. You who inhabit the praises of Israel. You who dwell in the praises of my people, right? You who are in the, you who, who stay and stand put in the praises. And then he goes on and he even praises God and shows how he's been faithful. He says, our fathers trusted you. They trusted and you delivered them. They cried to you and you and, and were delivered. They trusted in you and were not disappointed, right? Basically, he's saying, God, you did it once before. You can do it again. I know it. And the truth is we need to say the same thing. When we go from complaining, we need to turn it to praise, saying, God, you inhabit the dwelling of your praises, so God, I'm going to give you praise. And God, I've seen you do something before. I've seen you do something for others. I know you can do it again, and I know you can do it for me. Right? When we change our mindset to that, we experience his presence. Are you allowing your complaints to turn into praise? Are you placing yourself in his presence? Maybe for you, that's where it starts. And maybe for you, that's where it starts, is to stay in his presence through praise. Listen, another way to stay in his presence is also through prayer. For some of us, to be in his presence, we just need to to step up our prayer life. And prayer is this. It's just a conversation with God. It's not just a wish list of everything we have. Sometimes I think we need to come and think that we have to have perfect words for God. We need to have everything labeled, subcategorized, so it makes it real simple for God, right? We come with that. No, God just wants a conversation with us. God just wants to hear from us, right? And he wants us to slow down enough to sometimes even listen to him. I want to challenge you. Stay in his presence through your prayer life. For you, maybe for you, maybe that's to slow down. Instead of just trying to put the perfect prayer together and have a great list, maybe it's to say, God, I'm here. It might even start off, God, why why have you forsaken me? Like, where are you at? Some of my most real prayers are prayers where I feel like I'm getting frustrated with God. There's been things that I've prayed for for like weeks. My God, I feel like I've been praying for this for three weeks. Where are you at? I think he's looking at me. Three weeks, dude, that's like no time. Come on, you, you got more. You can grow in endurance. You can grow in patience. I think he does that sometimes. But we got to get real with him. And then sometimes we got to slow down enough to listen. Now listen, I, I, I've said this before. I've never heard the audible voice of God, but, but then it's times where I felt like God was pushing me to do something. And it's in those moments of quiet. It's the moments of silence where I slowed down enough to say, and just, just to listen, right? I'll pray and then I'll feel like God's saying something. It helps if you write it down too. I've learned that. There's a lot of times I'll listen and I'll be like, oh, that's really good, man. I'm going to hold on to that. And I forget it like four, four minutes later just because that's how my brain works. So you write it down and then start acting upon it. We experience his presence when we actually take steps of faith and listen to him as well. Another way we experience his presence is through his word. It's through the Bible. Many of us, I think we want to hear from God. We're like, God, just talk to me. It's like, dude, I got a whole Bible. All you need to do is open it up. It's in a ton of different versions. You can read whatever, right? You can see it. You can read it so you can actually understand it. But you got to open it up. That's all I want to challenge you. Stay in his presence by opening up the Bible, right? Each and every day. And what it is, is a discipline. I was talking with somebody earlier too this week, and we were talking about disciplines. And we were talking about how in the moment, disciplines are never fun. Right? In the moment, we actually don't get the benefit of the discipline in the moment. But later, we can look back and say, oh, yeah, okay, I was close to God when I was going through those disciplines. God was continually speaking to me, but I didn't realize it, right? But it's through that discipline of going over and over and over again. I want to challenge you, getting in his word. Stay in his presence. You experience his comfort through 
his presence. So number one, stay in his presence. Number two is allow him to work through others for us. And allow God to work through others for you. If Jesus meets us in our sorrows and he, and he comforts us and he does it through others. Again, if you look at it, Paul wrote, he says, God comforts us so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. God uses us and he uses others, right? And he uses others to comfort us. So what happens is we actually have to allow others to comfort us. We have to allow others in our life. We have to open the door so that others can spend time with us, so that they can actually break through and be there to comfort us. I mean, if you think about it, look at some of the moments in your life where you feel like, man, you needed somebody, you needed comfort. If you look at some of the the most painful moments in your life, the chances are somebody was there to get you out of it. Somebody showed up to comfort you through it. Somebody showed up, and it may not be anything they said. In fact, you probably forget everything they said. You may forget anything that they even did. You may forget anything that they may even even given you, but you remember that they were there. God uses people to comfort us, but we have to let them come in. We have to let them be there for us. And that means we have to open ourselves up. We need to allow ourselves to connect with others said this from the moment we opened the doors of this church, that we are never meant to do life alone. We're never meant to go through struggles alone. We are never meant to go through the lows alone. We're never meant to go through the highs alone either. And we're, called to, we're called to celebrate with each other. We're called to jump in and give high fives when things are going good. But on the, on the flip side, we're called to be there for each other when things are going bad. We're called to do life together. Right? We're called to use our stories to help pick others I think a lot of times, if we're honest with ourselves, we can get stuck in this area of grief and sorrow. We get stuck in an area of shame and abandonment really because we've, we put our guard up, because we built walls all around us and we're not letting others break through, right? Because we don't allow others to comfort us. We don't allow God to work through others. But the truth is this. The truth is we need people, right? We need people. All you introverted people are like, dude, what are you talking about? I'm good by myself. Listen, I get it, right? Introverted people, you need time alone too, but you need people as well. We need others around us. We need to open ourselves for others. We need to allow God to work through others, which means we need to place around, we need to place ourselves around others continuously. The author of Hebrews says it this way in Hebrews 10, 24 through 25. He says, and let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as a, some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. So we need people. We need family around us. We need friends around us. We need coworkers around us. We need church people around us. We need our friends from church around us to help us to get through sorrow, to help us to get through pain. But guess what? That means we have to place ourselves around them as well. That means we have to, to not give up a meeting together. It means we have to go beyond and place things in our schedule, make a commitment to others. For you, maybe for you to allow others to work to you is to, is to, to make a commitment to attend church regularly. And maybe you're a once, a once a month Sunday attender, maybe a twice a month Sunday attender. Let's just step it up, right? Go to three times, get crazy, go four times, get crazy. Even if there's a fifth Sunday, come on the fifth Sunday. It'll be crazy, I know. We still have church even on fifth Sundays. I know it's nuts, right? But come, make a commitment. Maybe for you, maybe you come every Sunday and you know what? For you, it's the next step. Maybe it's to jump in a life group. 
Be a part of that, to, to open yourself up, to connect with others in that way. Make a commitment to it, right? If you're going to a life group already, make a commitment to go every single time there is life group, right? Because somebody, you may need somebody in that group to connect with you. You may need somebody in that group later to comfort you when you go through something later, right? I want to challenge you. Make a commitment to jump into those, right? Make a commitment to connect with others from church, even outside the church as well. I know it's crazy, but you can actually spend time with people outside of Sunday morning. It's pretty nuts, but you can do it. Right? Make, make a commitment to connect with people. Listen, when we built this church, when we, built this, when we bought this church, this whole area right there was one giant sanctuary. In fact, that wall right there was not even there. But we said what we want to do is we want to build an area where people can connect with each other so that they can do life even outside these walls, right? So what we did is we obviously changed from, there were some pretty peach-colored pews with some orange carpet. Now, as pretty as the peach-colored pews were, we were like, we could get rid of those. And we can actually put chairs in, get the same amount of space with chairs and seats that the pews had. And then we can put that wall there and create a space for people to connect. And it's amazing. It's one of my favorite things to see every Sunday morning is see people talk to each other out there and connect. But it should go further, right? Maybe for you, maybe for you is to make a commitment and maybe for you to have people to give comfort and let God work through others for you is to actually go out to coffee with someone throughout the week, right? I challenge you to do that, right? Maybe go out to lunch with someone throughout this week, right? Allow others, allow God to work through others for you. To experience this comfort, you've got to allow others to work through you, through, through them. And then number three, you have to allow him to work through you for others, right? You have to allow him to work through you for others. Listen, one of the best ways to experience Jesus, one of the best ways to experience who God is, is allow him to work through you. There's something that happens God's, when, when God works through you, like his attributes, his characters, who, who he is really just becomes real when he's working through you. His comfort becomes real as well when we allow him to comfort others through us. So I want to challenge him. Allow him to work through others for you. And listen, this is a prayer we pray every single Sunday morning. Every Sunday morning as a team, we get together before the nine o'clock service at 8.30 and we have prayer. And one of the prayers each and every Sunday is God, work through us. God, let others experience your love through us. God, let others experience your comfort through us. God, let, let others experience your presence through us. And what's incredible is God always shows up and he always does it. But it's not others that always experience it, but we experience it as well. This is some of the greatest, I think some people have experienced some of the greatest growth once they jumped on the serve team and allowed God to work through them. It's amazing. You hear stories and stories of it because we, we experience more of God when he works through us. The apostle Paul refers to God as the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our, all our affliction. And he goes on to say that God does this with purpose, right? In order to use us so that we can be people who also comfort those who are afflicted. God works through us. He works through our story, our grief, our suffering, our things that we're going through and enduring. They not only strengthen our faith, but they also give testimony and help to others who are experiencing that sorrow as well. And listen, as Christians, if we call ourselves a follower of Christ, if we call ourselves a Christian, we should be the first to offer hope. We should be the first to offer comfort for those who need comfort. And when we do, we experience this comfort as well. I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to allow him to work through you for others, which means this. It means that we live out the golden rule in everything we do. Right, Matthew 7, 12 says, so in everything, do to others what you would have them do for you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. Right, do to others what you would have them do to you. 
do for others, what you would have them do for you. Think about it. Think about it this week. How can you live that out? How can you allow God to work through you? What can you do that you wish somebody would do for you? Think about it. Maybe for you this week, maybe it just means being there for somebody. And maybe there's somebody that's been on your mind. Maybe for you, it's just maybe for you, sending out a card to them, right? letting them know you care. Maybe for you, it's praying for somebody. Maybe when somebody asks for a prayer, instead of just saying praying for them, you actually text back with a prayer form. Right? Maybe you get a little crazy and there's a button on your phone that has a call button, and maybe you even call them up and you pray for them over the phone too. Right? I know it's nuts. You can use that button. It still works. It's like a, it's like a real live app. Right? You could do that. Maybe for you to get face-to-face with somebody and go pray with them, hang out with them, spend time with them, just be there with them. Again, it's not the words you say. It's not the things you do. It's not anything you could give them. It's your presence, and God works through you, but you've got to allow them to work through you. Right? Maybe for you, you just need to reach out to somebody this week. Maybe there's somebody that you haven't seen at church for a while, and you're thinking like, man, I wonder where they've been. Man, somebody should follow up with them. Guess who that somebody is? It's you. Right? Reach out. Be the church. Be the hands and feet of Jesus. Right? Be the comfort. Allow God to, to work through you to comfort others. And maybe there's someone you know that's in grief. Maybe you're thinking like, man, this is a message they need to hear. My challenge is for you to go and be this message to them. Right? Identify ways that you can encourage one another. Identify ways that you can comfort others. Right? Allow him to work through you. Jesus meets us in our sorrow, and he gives us comfort. Right? He's the answer to our sorrow. He's the light of our sorrow. He's the one that meets us in the deepest valleys. He is our comfort. And we experience his comfort through his presence. So I want to challenge you today. Stay in his presence. Stay in his presence. We experience his comfort through others working through us. I want to challenge us to to stay around people. We need people. And then we need to be there for people as well. Allow God to work through others for you and allow God to work through you for others. If you would, pull out your connection card in the seat back in front of you. Maybe you're here today, and maybe for you, maybe you need to experience the light of Jesus. And maybe for you, maybe you come today, and maybe you've never made a decision to follow Christ, or maybe you did, but you walked away. And today, you want to make that decision to follow him. Listen, if that's you, what I want you to do is I want you to check mark the box on that connection card. The box that says, I want to make a commitment to follow Jesus. Then I want you to, to know that God loved you so much that he gave his son for you. He gave his son to live a perfect life, die on a cross, and be risen again. And all you have to do is make a commitment with your life and accept his forgiveness for your sins and make him the Lord and Savior of your life. If that's you, check mark that box. Maybe here today, and maybe for you, God's asking you to do something. Maybe for you, you just need to experience some comfort. Maybe for you, Christmas season is a terrible season, right? It's a season filled with sorrow and grief. And maybe for you, Jesus is saying, you know, I don't want to meet you in that place of sorrow, but you got to be in my presence. Maybe you got to step up your prayer life. Maybe you need to praise him a little more. Maybe you need to turn your complaints to praise him. Whatever it is, I challenge you to write it down. Maybe you just need to allow people in. And maybe this is a season where you put your guard up stronger and harder than any other season. Right? You build walls around you. Maybe it's time to tear those walls down and allow people in. Or maybe you just need to be the comfort for somebody else. Whatever it is, I challenge you to write it down and then live it out. There's also a place for prayer requests as well where we would love to partner with you in prayer. If you would, take a moment to fill that connection card out and then Daryl will be up in just a moment to explain the next steps. Thank you for listening to the Life Change Church Podcast. 
If you were here today and you're listening and you made a decision to follow Christ, we would love to hear about it. Or maybe you're here and you're listening and that God is asking you to make the next step with whatever that it is in your life. We would love to hear about it and partner up with you. If you would, go to www.mylifechangechurch.com and under the media section, please fill out the contact us information and let us know if you made a decision to follow Christ. Let us know what God is asking of you. And if you need prayer, we would love to partner up with you in prayer as well. We hope that you enjoyed the podcast and that it both encouraged and challenged you. Have a great week. Thank you.